Welcome to Let's Get Political, a podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information you need to know to make informed decisions without the media spin. I'm your host, Benjamin Copeland, and with me is my co-host, Jessica Hargis. In this episode, our third, we look at redistricting. Every 10 years, the United States government mandated in the U.S. Constitution that every resident in the United States is counted. From that, U.S. House seats are allocated to the 50 states based on population, and then the real battle begins redistricting. That is, the state legislatures are tasked with drawing the congressional district lines. To help us navigate the interesting world of redistricting, we talk to Ross Ramsey. Ross is the executive editor and co-founder of the Texas Tribune. He writes regular columns for the Texas Tribune on politics, government, and public policy. We hope you enjoy this interesting look at redistricting. Jessica, what happens every 10 years in the Constitution? Oh my gosh, so many things. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, the thing my students never can understand and yeah. Sarah Palin didn't want, that would be the census. Yeah, the census. Every 10 years on a zero number year, uh, the federal government counts every resident of the United States, not just citizens, but residents. Yeah, that's always hard for my students to understand. They don't understand why we're counting people who aren't citizens and aren't going to be voting if the census is used for redistricting purposes, which, of course, always leads me to a great discussion about redistricting. But so I try to explain to them, you know, hey, there are people living here and we want everyone represented. My kids don't vote, but I'd like them to be represented. So, yeah, every 10 years we get counted. Um, This last one was a little bizarre. Well, let's start with what is redistricting? Like, you know, what what does that mean exactly? Well, according to my students or the real answer? (laughs) Well, let's do both. Maybe that's fine. According to my students, cities, counties, and special districts are districts that need to be redistricted all the time. And (laughs) the county lines get moved every so often. So I think I did a terrible (laughs) job this year of explaining that in my online class. But... For real, though, redistricting is very interesting to somebody like me. Um, You know, the original text of the Constitution requires that we uh, redistrict for population every 10 years and that as the population grows, what is it, 30,000 people, every 30,000 people gets a representative. Right. Originally. Now, if we kept doing that, (laughs) what are we at? 321 million people in in the United States today? (laughs) 330 million, actually. So what? It, I can't do math real fast. What would that? I don't do really great math. Like 50,000 like representatives or something. Crazy. Way too many people representing the United States. So we'd have to have a, a stadium. Yeah, put- we limited that number. That's for darn sure. Um, the legislature, the, the Congress decided, hey, we need to limit this number. And so they limited it to 460. Well, actually, I want to, what year was that? 435. Yeah. I don't know what year that happened. The Permanent Apportionment Act of 1929. There we go. I was close. It was 20-something. All right. So. I didn't realize it was that late. 
Yeah, yeah. So what happened was in the original text of the Constitution, you would have one representative for every 30,000 people. Right. And then that House delegation would, of course, move based on the population. But con- uh, Senate, of course, is just two for every state regardless. Right. So let's see, three, 30,000 people and the current census is uh, what, over 330 million? Uh, like carry the one minus the whatever's I don't do math. That's a lot of people. Yeah, that would be a lot. Of <laughs> so but- the legislature, the Congress decided in 1929 that they just need to limit that. Um, at the time, the number of people in the in Congress or in the House were three, 435. So they just that was it. No more. So in essence, based on population, each state gets a portion of that 435 house seats and in this last census in 2020 apparently texas garnered two more house seats and we're up to 38 from 36 yes so of course you know texas being so symmetrical all we have to do is like just carve out two more seats up like i think in east texas and then west and then we're good right that's how it works no, not <laughs> even close <laughs> no. i mean it's an argument every 10 years at the minimum so that's not how it happens so then once a state gets the and it's called apportionment once they're apportioned um a number of those seats then the state legislature has to come up with the actual districts and there's really only two things that they um, can draw the lines around, right? Population and then party. Right. Because what you don't want to do is reportion the state so that you're denying or grouping people by disadvantaged groups. So I was telling my students, you know, it's this thing called gerrymandering. Right. And a lot of people are like, ah, gerrymandering is illegal. You can't do that. Well, actually, gerrymandering is pretty okay. And if you look at the state of Texas and where people actually live, we're not going to have beautifully set up districts anyway, because people are like, oh, those crazy looking lines. It's just, you know, it's illegal. I'm like, no, no, no. They have to get the people together. They have to somehow group them. And so it's okay as long as you're not doing it by any disadvantaged group. So yeah, then they redistrict. Now, I think it's really interesting that people just think that we're redistricting just for um, the house seats because we just got two new ones. Right. people don't stay in the same place. And so every time we're redistricting, we're not just redistricting the map for the house. We're also doing it for the Texas house and the Texas Senate. And so there's pretty much a good fight every 10 years, especially in Texas for power that you can get based on the districts that you create. Right. And it's the Texas legislature that draws all of the districts and all of these various institutions. And of course, we know that Republicans control the Texas House and Senate. And so inevitably, what are they going to do? They're going to draw the lines to benefit Republicans, right? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I always have to tell my students, um, you hear a lot about that in the media, that the Republicans are always redistricting to favor themselves. But if the Democrats were in charge, they would do the same thing. And they did when they were in charge in the 90s. And states across the United States, I mean, California is a majority um, uh, Democratic states. They're not drawing lines to benefit somebody else. So it really is whoever is in power gets to draw the new lines. And I think that's just normal. In Texas right now, 
you have um, not just the legislature that's Republican, but you've got the governor as well is to sign off on this, right? So exactly, you've got an entire Republican government looking at how we can redistrict the states to encompass the new two seat, the two new seats, to redistribute the seats that um, we have at the Texas House and the Senate, and of course to see how they can remain in control. But the Democrats aren't going to just sit back and take it, right? I mean, every ten years they sue the Republicans and say, you didn't draw these lines correctly and you didn't, you didn't do a very good enough job when you drew these lines and you drew them in certain ways that are illegal. And of course, it's a, a huge battle ensues and it will be, it'll be fun to, um, to see, it'll be fun to see how that all resolves in the courts. Of course, we're all, we're both we love the courts, don't we? So, Well, it used to be a lot easier. It used to be that um, Congress had passed uh, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And in the act, they put in some provisions for areas that had been historically discriminated that historically discriminated against minorities, right. that whenever they redistrict, that their um, their maps had to be viewed by someone else outside of their state to ensure that the maps were not discriminatory. So that kind of held us in check for a long time. Interestingly enough, uh, my, my research has shown that when um, under the 1965 act, every time Texas had redrawn the, uh, the maps, we had always gotten slapped back from the federal government. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have a history of not doing a great job with our map lines, um, but, but fair, that's not the case anymore. But to be fair, if you're drawing around party, right, if you're trying to create Republican, majority Republican districts, and then you're sticking Democrats into what we would call minority majority districts, you know, the minority being the Democrats, aren't you inevitably going to be drawing lines around African Americans who vote Democrat, what, 90% of the time, something in that in that range? Yeah, I mean, you're all it's all about intent. The Voting Rights Act has to deal with intent, but it's also making sure that minorities' voices are heard. So they need to get right. a few seats that would be theirs. Right. I mean, if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty, you got the, the cracking and the packing and all kinds of great things right. with regard to redistricting. And if you're gonna pack all of those minorities into one district where instead you could you could kind of move them around so that they could possibly get three and four districts. Instead, you put them all in one. So they only get one district that seems to be discriminatory. Yes. And again, it's all about intent. You also have to go to the courts and prove to them. No, we were just doing it because they don't vote for us. And right. that's totally okay. <laughs> well, I was looking at the Texas Tribune's uh, website and they always have really great stuff uh, up for redistricting in the maps and, you know, where are you, where, where, what district are you in? Um, and it looks like that the Republicans uh, put 24 of the House seats firmly in Republican hands. That is, uh, there are more Republicans in those 24 seats. And then 13 of them are um, majority Democrats, and then one fairly even district. So uh, that's 38, right? Did I do the math right? 24, 13, 1. Yes. 38. Wait, the new, are you saying about the, the new, new numbers? Map. The new map. Yes. The the map I'm looking at has it 23 districts. Oh, okay. Okay. I, you're going by, okay. I was no, looking I, by 
I always look by demographics. I actually just looked up 538. I didn't look at the Texas Tribune, but I'm- The I'm, Texas Tribune divides it up by demographics. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, we used to have, let's see, we used to have 22 districts that were majority white, eight districts that were majority Hispanic, one that was majority African-American, and then five that had no majority. Now they have 23 districts that are majority white, seven districts that are majority Hispanics, and eight that have no majority at all. So did they even it out? <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't appear so. They didn't, I mean, they didn't give the African-Americans their own little group. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how they, how they broke it down. And, and it'll be interesting to see why, what their reasoning will be as to why they broke it down the way they did. And of course, the argument's going to be, we, we drew it to benefit Republicans. We didn't draw it in any way other than that. And we'll see. We'll see. Well, you also have to look at the census, right? If you look and who, which group of people um, increased the population in Texas, which group of people lowered their population in Texas? So sometimes, I mean, maybe there are less African-Americans in the state today. So when they're redistricting the areas, that's what they're looking at, Um, moving them around the state, right? I have noticed that um, we're moving further north we're kind of spreading out a little bit more and so you're going to have people just shifting in in where they're going so i know the texas tribune has an amazing um map you can go to if you go to the texas tribune and you just type in redistricting texas it brings up this amazing political map where you put in your address and it'll show you what district you were in before redistricting and that is um, the U.S. House and the Texas Senate and, and a represent House of Representatives, and then where you are now after the maps that were signed into law. So it's pretty cool, um, especially if you're somebody like me who you've known your districts for a long time. I have been moved to a few different districts, and they show you visually like where your map has moved to, like what your area is versus what it was. Right. And so for me, I mean, I was in, I'm in Prosper and I was at the tip of my uh, previous U.S. house district. And now the way they shifted the map, it's off to the side. And so now I'm encompassing people from like Frisco to Plano. No, I used to encompass people from uh, Frisco to Plano um, over to Farmersville. And now I encompass people from Prosper through McKinney into Greenville and Commerce. Really? It's a very weird shift off to the side. So, well, I moved from the 24th district into the 33rd district. I was smack dab almost in the middle of the 24th district. And now I am the, the 33rd district goes from the outskirts of Dallas. And then it follows um, some highway corridor. I can't, I can't tell which what it is. And then it's on the outskirts of Fort, Fort Worth. So I went from a fairly Republican district to an overwhelming Democrat district. Oh, wow. Yeah, mine didn't necessarily change. I mean, I was in a Republican district. First of all, the number didn't change, which is funny. I'm still in three. And then um, I went from, you know, a Republican majority to a um, Republican majority. Yeah. Went- <laughs> but the percentage of white people has increased significantly. I went from 67 to 71. So that's interesting. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I need to look at that. Let me see. Um race and oh, this map is so fun you can play with it like my districts at the local level shifted uh, 
Um, so previously, 59% white in the 24th district. Now it's 42% Hispanic in the 33rd district. That's wow. And so that's why it shifted. So for me, if you look at my, um, what is this? My state Senate. This one's the most interesting. So my state Senate, I went from District three, 30 to District 8. So I went from 80% majority white to 70% majority white. But I went from 71.9% who voted for Trump in the last election to in this new district, only 55 would have voted for Trump. Now I'm still in a Republican district, but that's a pretty big shift in the, in the majorities here. Yeah. I, I love this map. I'm going to be playing with this for a long time. Same. Oh, I forgot. We also redistrict the State Board of Education. That's I always true. forget about the State Board of Education. My district so, didn't change. Most people do. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is let's, true. Let's, let's, uh, let's introduce uh, the person we're going to interview uh, this in this podcast, and it's Ross Ramsey from the Texas Tribune. I am so excited. I am a huge fan of the Texas Tribune, and I read all of his articles. And actually, Ross Ramsey is the executive editor and co-founder of the Texas Tribune. But um, when you hear him talk, you, you know, he knows a lot about Texas government because before joining the Tribune, Ross was actually the editor and co-owner of Texas Weekly for 15 years. And he even worked as the associate deputy comptroller for policy and director of communications in the Texas Comptroller of Public Accounts. So he's been in Texas government and politics for a really long time. Um, even before that, he was in Houston. He was at the Houston Chronicle um, for its Austin Bureau, Bureau and then the Dallas Times. Harold. He did the business desk in Dallas and later in Austin Bureau Chief and Austin Bureau Chief. And um, he worked as a Dallas-based freelance business writer, writing for regional and national magazines and newspapers. So he's just been in the business for a really long time. And I bet you if you name anybody in Texas government or politics from the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years, I'm pretty sure he will know everything about it. So well, and he came and talked to little old us. <laughs> to talk about redistricting. So let's go and talk to him. Well, let's talk a little bit about redistricting and kind of uh, not necessarily what it is. Hopefully people kind of know, but, you know, why is it such a big deal? Why is there always a lawsuit every 10 years? Why, why do they draw the things they do? I just moved from one congressional district, skipped over another, and now I'm in another congressional district with, with the new redistricting, you know. Um, so what are the Republicans doing in, in Austin and why do they do it the way they do it? Well, you're trying to divide the state into districts that are of exactly equal size in the case of Congress or approximately equal size in the case of the Texas House and the Texas Senate. Right. So the first thing is you take the state, you find out the population, there's 150 seats in the Texas House, mm -hmm. you divide by 150 that's the size of an ideal district. Mm -hmm. 38 is the size of an ideal congressional district. 31 mm -hmm. is the size of a Senate district. Mm -hmm. And then you say, what would those look like? And <clears throat> if you just handed this to a computer and you said, start drawing mm -hmm. lines- Around population. Around population mm -hmm. and stop and start another district when you mm -hmm. have a full population. And it was like you know ink bleeding across a map then you could get lines that made a certain amount of sense that, you know, we're going to start the lines at the very top corner of the panhandle and mm -hmm. you'd get a set of maps. Mm -hmm. But if you started the line in Tyler in the top northeastern corner, 
and did the same instructions to the computer, you'd get different lines. That's right. mm-hmm. And if you did it at Brownsville and if you did it in El Paso. Mm-hmm. So then if that was the way you were doing it, the politicians would look at it and see which of those four maps would, gave them the best district. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be in this district. This is the one with my house in it. Right. I can win it if you started in Tyler, but if you started in Amarillo, I'm screwed. Right. Um, and is that what they do? They use a, a computer just to. It's not what they do, but yeah. it, that's that's sort of yeah. the argument of you know if you let if if you let a machine do it, mm-hmm. if the machine was apolitical, the machine's not no red or blue. No politics at all. Just the, the machines, you know, slate gray, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the theory. But you can't take the politics out of politics. Mm-hmm. And so you've right. got to look at this thing and you say, okay, so we're going to divide the state into equal into districts of equal population. So then you have to start talking about different populations. Mm-hmm. There's the population of Texas, 20, 29 million people. Mm-hmm. There's the population of adult Texans because kids don't vote. Right. So mm-hmm. throw out eight or nine million voters or eight mm-hmm. or nine million people. Okay. Yeah. So now I can draw a district that is the same size as the district next to it in total population. But one of them has kids and one of them doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the one that does have kids means that each adult has a higher proportion of the total district vote. It's not a one-to-one vote anymore. Right. So now I'm not, right? Right. So so you start playing with these things, and then you start saying, well, what if I drew a district that had the same number of adults, but I looked at the voter rolls and studied all of the names and everything and how they vote, and I included in District A a bunch of adults who just don't vote. Mm And I included in District B a bunch of adults who do vote and they vote my way. So that's great. And the districts who don't and the people who don't vote in the first district um, make it look like a full district, but actually it's a district full of my voters. Mm -hmm. There's a million ways to manipulate this. And once you give people in a competitive situation, politics, sports, whatever, a competitive situation, the means to play with the rules in ways that they benefit then they begin they to they begin to cut corners. Yeah. So in baseball, it's generally known that it's legal to steal signals if you've got a man on second base who can read what the catcher's doing. Mm-hmm. It's legal to do that. And it's legal to tap your eyebrow if it's going to be a fastball. And the batter looks up and you can do that. Mm-hmm. But you can't bang on a trash can like the Houston Astros. And you can't use technology like Apple Watches like the Boston Red Sox did. You can't you know, there's there's limits to the stretch, but they allow a certain amount of stretch in the rules because it's a competitive system and they know people are going to do that. That's the animals we are. Right. If you hand politics to politicians and you say, OK, we're going to let you do this. Here's what your state looks like. It's got 29 million people in it. Ninety five percent of the growth over the last 10 years, about four million people, 95 percent of those people are people of color. Mm-hmm. Some of them moved here. Some of them were born here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just natural growth and migration. In the census before that one, 89% of the growth was people of color. So this is now compound interest. I mean, this is this state is changing. And in fact, if you freeze frame it right now, about 39.8%, I may have my decimal wrong, about 39.8% of the state is what they call non-Hispanic um, white, which is Anglos. About that many, just a few fewer, I think 39.2% or two or 0.3% are Hispanics. Mm-hmm. And then about 12 or 13% black. And then the rest is Asian and other. other. Right. Um, just right. people of mixed race. Well, you know, so, you might be Hispanic, black. You might, you know, I mean, there's a million different well, I'm, variations. I'm Middle Eastern and I have to decide if I'm going to be another or if I'm going to be in 
right a non-hispanic Caucasian, white yeah, yeah it's always the choice also so i know a lot of right. middle easterns have okay so 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 now you get the situation in texas where first of all we're not a majority anything state right mm-hmm. we're not really a plurality anything state mm-hmm. we've got about the same number of hispanics and anglos and you draw the maps and you say okay so should those maps have the same number of districts where hispanics can elect candidates as mm-hmm. districts where anglos can elect candidates mm-hmm. Those aren't the maps they drew. The maps that were signed by the governor, about 60% of the House seats are um, white majorities or, or Anglo majorities. Um, it's a little bit higher for the Senate and it's, I think it's 66% in Congress, right? So you look at that and then you look at the Hispanics, you say, well, how'd they do? They got about 20%. So if you said, if you're looking at this and you're saying, well, that doesn't sound fair. The only way you can defend it is to say, this depends on where people live and it depends on how they're clustered or not clustered. I can't go through a bunt cake and just cut out the little chocolate pieces, you know, or the little vanilla pieces. They may be scattered so much that you don't have a grouping that forms a natural district. To some extent, that's why districts look so funky, Mm -hmm. you know, because you got to go over here to get these and get over here to get those. You can't racially gerrymander. You can't right. gerrymander on the basis of race, mm-hmm. right? So, but you, you can have, gerrymander based on party, party, right? So, I mean, isn't that kind so, of what so, that's what they've done, right? So, you're a little bit ahead of me. Yeah. So, you can <clears throat> you can't do it on race, mm-hmm. but you can do it on party, right? And in Texas, there has been some correlation between race and party, right? So. If I have an area that is mostly black Texans, probably not 85 or 90% Democratic vote. Right. If I have an area that's Hispanic Texans on average, because this gets sure. this gets fuzzy, it's probably 60% Democratic. But I can't guarantee you that I'm going to get a, a district that is of contiguous areas where Hispanics are in the majority that's going to be a Democratic district every time. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the Republicans are drawing, they're doing what they can to maximize their advantage and to the extent that they can institutionalize that advantage for the next 10 years until we redistrict. Right. So they're trying to draw as many districts as they think they can safely hold a majority for the next decade. Right. And to the extent that voting patterns correlate with racial patterns. They may be drawing a political map that looks like a racial map. Right. And this has been an argument in previous previous redistrictings in Texas, you know, where they go to the judge and the judge says, look at this. It's a, you know, you drew all the people of color into this district. It's like, that's not why we did it. We drew all the Democrats into that district. Yeah. And it turned out that they were people of color. You know, who knew? <laughs> I mean, and, and that argument has prevailed. I mean, you know, if, if you didn't draw what looks like a racial gerrymander for racial gerrymandering purposes right then you have a little bit of wiggle room yeah but, i mean they've been challenged in the past and they had the right. voting rights act of 1965 to hold it up and the judicial branch has said no you need to redraw this regardless of what you think this is what you've right. done right and texas has been found in every every time every case over the last um or not every case in every instance you know every redistricting over the last 40 years to have intentionally racially discriminated in each map. Mm -hmm. And the courts have fiddled with the maps. I mean, they haven't necessarily redrawn them wholesale, Mm -hmm. but they've, um, 
redrawn them in part because they, you know, this is a racial gerrymander. There was a famous one in the 2010 map where a district that goes all the way from San Antonio to El Paso mm -hmm. was redrawn so that it still had the same number of Hispanic adult Texans as it did before, but they replaced voting Hispanic Texans with non-voting Hispanic Texans and the district flipped from Democratic to Republican. I was just about mm -hmm. to ask that. So when they're looking at the at the party selection, they're looking at people who are voting. In right. Texas, don't we have more Anglos who are voting than any other group? Right. We have more Anglos. We have more old people. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah. those are two indicators that, you know, those are two leading indicators of that you're going to be a Republican on average. Oh. If it's a if it's a white voter in Texas, that's more Repo Republican than the rest of the population. Mm -hmm. If it's an older voter in Texas, that's more conservative and Republican than the rest of the population. Yep. yep. So it's, you know, um, that is what in some circles gives way to the, you know, this is just a bunch of old white guys, mm -hmm. you know, but they're voting and that's how voting works. If you don't vote, you don't count. Right. So without Shelby, I'm sorry, without the Voting Rights Act, with after Shelby in 2013, right. now we're not going to have this map looked at. So there are well, other so we still haven't looked at. So so the old the old way they did this was they had a thing called preclearance, and in places with histories of discrimination, Texas was one of them. Uh, not originally, but later, um, mm -hmm. uh, Texas was one of the places included. If you had a history of discriminating in your election laws. Then you got subjected to preclearance, which meant that your legislature or your city council or whatever could change election law or change its districts. And those couldn't take effect until they'd been reviewed by either the Department of Justice or the Circuit Court of Appeals right. in Washington mm -hmm. called preclearance. Right. In the Shelby case, the opinion said, we're going to leave preclearance in the law, but we're going to erase the formula. And this because the court reasoned that a lot of that was um, no longer pertinent history and, and said, you know, we've, we've solved this problem. But if anybody gets caught intentionally discriminating, they can be thrown back into preclearance. Mm -hmm. So the arguments in 2010, uh, in the later parts of the 2010 case, because Shelby was in 2013, right. and that will be present in this set of arguments is that you know, the, the people who don't like the maps and don't like the way that they came out are going to say Texas intentionally discriminated here and should be subject to preclearance in future. Since we're not under preclearance is that the law takes effect when the state passes. it. But the people who don't like that law go to court and say, hey, you got to stop these guys. Yeah. It's not pre-cleared. It's not a mother may I. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know, it's that old thing about, you know, are you going to ask for permission or forgiveness? And and if you ask in front, you're asking for permission. And if you ask in back, you're asking for, oh, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. We'll have to do a do-over. But all the time that you're in court with a map, even if it turns out to be illegal, that's drawn to your advantage, you're winning. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. So if it's in court and they're going to try it and let's say they find it's, you know, it was intentional. Right. Then we get thrown back into preclearance. These maps have to be redrawn. And not, now not because of preclearance. There's two different things. So okay. preclearance is for future cases. Right, right. For future cases. Right. But, so, but, but if, if, they if they're finding that you discriminated here, then they will change the maps yeah. so that they don't discriminate. Now, who changes the maps? That's my question. Okay. So there's a three-judge panel that's already, you know, in this thing. It's federal judges, two district judges, and one from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. 
and they generally, you know, they all drew straws and those are the judges who landed the Texas case this time. So they'll hear all of this. And if they find a problem, their general tradition and desire, I mean, they just say it out loud, is they want to make as few changes as possible to make a map legal. So they're not gonna come in and say, to hell with all of this and tear it in half and yeah. start a new map. They're gonna say, this doesn't work, move this line, move this line and try to keep it as make, close to the they're going to try to make do as little as possible just yeah. to make it work yeah you know and to, to make it work to make it constitutional to make it fit the voting rights act and then that'll go up and it always goes texas or somebody else always goes to the supreme court and and we'll go to the supreme court this time and the supreme court will either decide to hear the texas case or they'll say shut up texas we're going to hear montana or mm -hmm. whatever they do so now it could be found that it's um, the map isn't good, but it's not intentional. That's another option, right? right. The courts, right. they could say that I mean, we may not go back into preclearance. Yeah, there's two pieces. So the lawyers will say this map sucks. Yeah. And they'll go to court and then the court will either say, yeah, I agree. The map sucks or it doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. The second thing is if the map sucks, they'll have another entry in the argument and say, well, we think the map sucks because it's intentional. intentional and the court will either say yes or no to that and then you're off on the redistricting well the thing. first thing or on the on the preclearance thing will be prove it but, but then if but it's proven the first thing the first order of business is can we use these maps for the next election yeah and True. the, and the court will either say yes or no sure and yeah. we'll either delay the primary or not mm -hmm. um they've been known to hold elections on a part of the map new elections so they'll hold the election and they'll say wait a minute wait a minute this part of the map was wrong and they'll pick six districts and have elections in those. Mm -hmm. It's wow. It, yeah. There's all kinds of variations. So this, is gonna get, this just got interesting. He signed because they the lawsuits happening before yeah. he signed it. But yeah. are there more lawsuits that are going to happen now that right. Abbott has signed it? Yeah. And the lawsuits, the first round of lawsuits that you see, there'll be, you know, several of them around the state. And that's basic people, basically people fighting for venue. Mm -hmm. I want this to be heard in El Paso instead yep. of in Austin or yeah. in Dallas instead of Houston or, you know, so they'll do those. The courts will consolidate the cases and throw them to one court, the lucky or unlucky judge, right? Or the judges. And, <laughs> and then we're off to the races. But, you know, really, when you cover something like this as a reporter or when you work on it in politics or study it, the legislative thing is really just the first act mm -hmm. in what can be a very long exercise. The maps that were being contested in court after the 2010 census. Those cases were still trickling out when the 2020 census began. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So 10 years later, you know, they were still fighting over fees or something or other. Most of the big issues had been solved, but, you know, the fights go all the way down. And, and every time the courts do something new, there's a battery of lawyers, some of them Democrats, some of them Republicans, um, that are just living on this and, yeah. and fighting it you know, in, in each of the 50 states and in the, the county and city jurisdictions underneath that. As a lawyer, I can say I don't like lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, and as, as somebody who reads literature, it's Jardice versus Jardice. This is, yeah. you know, this is Charles Dickens. This just yeah. never stops. Yep. Yep. Do you think, though, I mean, if you would give your opinion, I mean, do you think there's cause? I mean, should they stop this kind? Do you think it was redistricted for racial issues? Or do you really think they were had a partisan lens and they just you really got to have them answer that? The, course, the courts say it doesn't matter. So in the in the matter of the maps, when you're looking at the maps, you look at them and you say, is this whatever your intent, a racial gerrymander? 
Is this an illegal map? And if it's an illegal map, it doesn't matter how you got there. You might have gotten there with the best of intentions. You just don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're, you do dolts, you know. Um, it may be that you did it intentionally. And, you know, that's why you have the second question. But the first question is, can we use these maps? Right. Right. And the court will say yes or no. And then they'll start to take it apart. And you said 40 years. So I just want to point out, so Republicans aren't the only ones doing this. No, when they were in control, and you could look at other states, you know, Texas is a red state, but go look at a blue state. They fight over redistricting too. Yeah. And they do, the majority parties do violence to the minority parties. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about political majorities and yeah. political minorities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they do what they can. They, you know, this is a competitive system. And you it's do whatever fight. you can do to undermine your opponent and to better your chances. And it's just, you know, if you understand that at the front, it's just like, okay, so they're just behaving like regular animals. Well, he's a really smart guy. And I'm so glad we got to, a minute to talk to him and uh, hear more about redistricting and, and all the ins and outs of that. That was just a fascinating discussion. You know, I'm not a big politics person. Oh, wait a second. I am. I love this kind of stuff. So yeah, that was awesome. I wish we could have him for about four or five hours, but I'm pretty sure I'd be the only one listening to that. So yeah, he should be <laughs> teaching Texas politics, not me. <laughs> you know, I always thought, you know, Texas politics, all any, I mean, history and government in general just sounds better when you have stories. Right. And um, I try and learn as many stories as I can, but man, off the top of his head with just a random stories here and there and knowing everybody and in, ins and outs. And, and he's also not, not afraid to make those predictions. I, um, people keep asking me to make predictions and I'm like, I, nah, I'm not good at the prediction. Thing. <laughs> I'll make them. They just don't necessarily come true. <laughs> Every once in a while, when one does, I, I tout it, but then I don't talk about the other nine that didn't come true. So. Well, I just think it's funny because now that Matthew McConaughey has come out and he's not running right. and Beto is running, people right. keep asking me if he's going to win. And I just think that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he will, but you know what? I've been wrong before. This is Texas. People like their guns. You can't tell them they're going to take your guns. I don't care all right, what party all you're right, from. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast so you can be informed the next time we drop another episode. I could be in Ross Ramsey's head for like a day and learn everything. My classes would be so amazing. I wouldn't even actually teach. I would just like soak up all the knowledge and just, I think then my head would just explode.